This is Hammett. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to support the show. Get your ad-free episodes uh, and bonus exclusive episodes for $5 a month, and we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Hey, guess what? Uh, what? Pat Robertson is still dead. Yay! I promised the Discord server that I would not forget to say that. Y'all ready for this? Um... Can we, before we dive in... And by the way, no one's mentioned him. No one's eulogized him. Even on Christian websites, other than mentioning that he's dead. Yeah, we talked about this last week. There still hasn't been anything. Yeah. Uh, He wasn't very... I mean, everybody who followed him is dead already. They're, like, waiting down there for him. Yeah. Um, Before we, like, move into whatever you had prepared, can we talk about the submarine billionaire Titanic situation because like all cool shit, it happened immediately after, um, after we recorded and I, obviously it's been a week or whatever. So nobody's even thinking about it anymore, but truly, how do you feel about it? Haven't I don't, I feel bad for the kid that was on there. Mm. who's like 19, Mm -hmm. an adult. He made his decision. Mm -hmm. The rest of them, it's like, all right, Take stupid risks. This is what you signed up for. You knew what you were getting into. That's about it. I feel the same way when people, like, choose to do something risky, especially when they're, like, regulations. I don't care about safety. Yeah. Who needs the government telling me what to do? And it's like, okay, I feel bad as a human, but also you chose this, and then you this is the risk you take. It wasn't... Yeah. It wasn't out of the question that this would happen. Well, I don't want those people to have died, which is why I would have encouraged them not to do those things in the first place. But it makes me think about the difference between this and do you remember um, me talking about a documentary called Fire of Love? I believe it was nominated or won an Oscar. Um, It's about this couple who for like 30 years, um, every time a volcano exploded or blew up, uh-huh. volcanoed, Yes, um, they would stop what they were doing and go there and, like, investigate it. And they, um, it was one of those things that they said in interviews, we understand that what we're doing is extremely dangerous and very stupid and nobody should do it. However, we believe that the only way to make sure, like, to learn how volcanoes work and save lives is to get this work done. And they knew that death was inevitable. There right? are things you could do that are risky, like flying a space shuttle mission mm-hmm. with NASA. Uh-huh. That's risky. You take that risk. Mm-hmm. If the Challenger explodes, you feel really bad because they took every safety precaution they could have. Well, the U.S. government did not, and I have a lot to say okay. about the Challenger explosion. Fine. But, like, <laughs> you assume that yes. they tried whatever the, the people in there you're mitigating risks as much as, as much as you can yeah. for a dangerous thing. And so when something bad happens, you feel bad for that. For these people, like, they purposely went on a thing that was not safe, that a billionaire told them, oh, it's fine. And the, the fact that there are a gajillion quotes floating around of, like, uh, at some point, safety is just waste. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, I mean, I guess, but maybe don't let anybody bring a teenager down there. I followed it because I was hoping there was a way they would be rescued. Like minors, every mm. time they get like stuck sure. in the cave, it's like I hope they get rescued. That'd be yeah. a nice story. Thai uh, soccer team. After we found out what happened, it's like oh, it's out of my head now. Like I'm, I haven't thought about it in days. Yeah, it's which just I feel bad as a human, but also I th- that's not a story I have capacity for right now. Yeah, it, it really it, it's 
And I, I think Does that make what, me bad? Well, what I think is most interesting is sort of the discourse surrounding this of like, oh, you guys are cheering for people's death. You guys are the real bad guy. This is bonus level shit. I don't know, or bonus episode <laughs> shit. I don't know why we're doing I did this up top. Um <clears throat> and I think it's very interesting that people kind of get pearl clutchy about like um all these people are celebrating death like you're monsters i would never celebrate a human's death and it's like well i just think that for a lot of people who are barely like getting food on their plate every day to watch people with literal infinite amounts of money put themselves in an extremely dangerous position just do not do anything to keep themselves safe and like, sorry, is there not enough shit on the planet Earth that you like on the land or on the surface of the oceans? Did you really do everything in the world you can do besides go see the fucking Titanic? I feel the same way about people climbing Everest. Like, I, I do know too. I it's do too. There, but if you if you get hurt I, while you're climbing it, then I. Okay, it's such a good comparison. It's a great comparison of like, there's all there's all these bodies on Everest. It's like. Yeah, because it's really fucking dangerous place yeah. to go. Don't do and it. Like, Don't drag the ship as it, it, it Just what are we doing here? So, <laughs> with that in mind, uh, I'm so excited to share this story with you. Really? Because I think the discourse uh, is just wild with this. Okay, I'm going to give you some background on this. All right. This happened on Sunday at Fair Park Baptist Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. You do not know that church. No one knows that church. Small Baptist church, whatever. Pretty presumptive. A guy named Mike Keller delivered a guest sermon uh, at this church on Sunday. I will tell you this. This sermon no longer exists on YouTube. They Uh-oh. pulled this uh, later in the week after people began circulating a clip from it. And here's the How thing. How big is this church? Give me a, a size. Is it, um, are we talking mega I don't, church? No, local it's church? definitely not a mega church. These are smaller churches. Okay. But um, the reason you'll you'll find out real soon why this thing went viral. Um, this was like an hour long sermon, and it was literally one minute of the sermon that people began sharing online. Okay. And I, I thought about this. I'm on? like, yeah, you're you're gonna want to put headphones on. Okay. I thought, should I just play the whole minute for you? And yeah, I'm please. like. No, because there's so much shit going on in that one minute. Uh I broke it up into a few parts just for you. Okay, but I get to hear the whole thing. Oh, you will get to hear the whole thing. I I want an unabridged version. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So I'm not going to tell you who Mike Keller is just yet. We'll get back to that in a little bit. But I will give you some background (laughs) about what he's talking about. The title of the sermon was something about overcoming spiritual warfare. Because, like, Christians are persecuted and all that stuff. They're always preparing for a war against invisible things. And he was saying, you know, if we want to change America for the better, there are some things we ought to be doing. And he specifically said... Uh, he cited some other pastor who whose name is not important, but that guy said January 6th, the, the insurrection, that was a trap. And this pastor, Mike Keller, a trap. They a were honey tra- pot? They were trying to get you so you shouldn't have gone. It was a honeypot. They put Nancy Pelosi <laughs> right. in the congressional building. And so Mike Keller is saying, eh, that guy had a point. It was a trap because all of us thought it was a nice, you know, peaceful protest mm-hmm. or something. What Mike Keller wants to say is protesting is not the way you create change in America. If you want to create change in America, you ought to be praying to God for change. Don't try to protest. January 6th was a protest, and guess what happened? That thing backfired. You were raising your hand, and nothing has happened yet. Um, I have a question, though. If he thinks that we need to pray more, 
What has happened to the prayers up until now? Uh, they don't count. Oh, okay. Okay. Moving so. forward. Oh, just like a New Year's <laughs> Day thing of like, okay, starting tomorrow, right. I'm definitely going to pray harder and now. God is going to listen. So that's what he was starting to talk about. Then he gave another example of how we should not protest, we should pray. And that's where this clip will begin. Here we go. Again, this is uh, Mike Keller speaking. Mm-hmm. Let's see if this goes. 150 years ago or 200 years ago when the blacks were slaves. Uh-oh. Did they ever go to Washington, D.C. and have a rally 200 years ago to protest against slavery? Did they? No. Pause. Okay. Wow. Okay. So... He actually said 150 years ago, which is more accurate, or 200 years ago. Yeah. So, um, no, there... Well, there were protests. Um, (laughs) I would like to just sort of push back gently on the fact, what did he think abolitionists were Uh doing during this time? I guess it's my Uh primary question. Please see my interview with Dr. Kelly Carter Jackson (laughs) for more information. Not just just abolitionists. There were uprisings. There was Nat Turner. There were rebellions. Oh, God, the Nat Turner. There were a billion (laughs) slave rebellions. There was a railroad underground, so to speak. There were... A railroad underground. How it's the famous railroad that is underground. That is underground. There were legal (laughs) challenges. I mean, all those protests, and these are all forms of protests, they came with incredible risks. The punishments for participating in them were fierce, if not fatal. Yeah. Um, And I just go back to like, what does he, he says, do they go to Washington, D.C. to have a protest against slavery? Just logistically, if you were a slave... If you were an enslaved person and you wanted to go to Washington, D.C. to protest, yeah, you just do how would that work? Hashtag slavery is IZ bad. Do you go <laughs> to the person at the house and say, Sir, I would like a day off from the slavery because I would like to go to Washington, D.C. on a horse? Excuse I don't know. me, slaveholder. Um, I have accrued some amount of PTO time for our <laughs> non-American listeners. We have this thing called PTO in the United States, paid time off. It's a <laughs> vacation. You get one of them a year, and uh-huh. that's and all And you're you get. thankful for it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so he, so what he is getting at is slave. Can I just kind of guess where he's going? Is uh, that sure. slavery ended without mm-hmm. quote unquote without any protests? Mm-hmm. Therefore, the thing that ended slavery was prayer. That is where he's going with it. He's not there yet. Oh, oh he's got more to say first. Are you sure? Because uh-huh. there's a pretty straight line between <laughs> the thing he just said and the thing I just said. Yeah, I don't well. know how he can. Uh, also, if you're saying uh, anytime you say the blacks. Truly I feel like that gang. should raise all the red flags. Y'all need to take <laughs> care. It's like calling people the blacks is just like, it's like when somebody says females instead of women. Like, <laughs> it just tells me everything I need to know about you immediately. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the you blacks. Did, you could tell why I did not let this clip go on for a full minute. Sure, 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 sure. I see that we're going to have already. to like dig in. Okay. Right. So he says, uh, when the blacks were slaves, did they go to D.C. for their protest against slavery? Did they? No. no. We continue. Call and response. We continue. No. Did they? No. <sighs> what did they do? Well, a lot of good people in the plantations would say, hey, it's wintertime. Let's ha- let us help build a church for you, dear folks. Pause. What dear folks? 
Uh, Wait, who, 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 what? The good people the good, in the plantations, which is good slaves? quite a euphemism for slave owners. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. That's what he was saying? Oh, yeah. Could you, do you have it transcribed? Could you uh-huh. say it again? Yeah. What did they do? Yeah. Well, a lot of good people so in the plantation, speaking of slave owners. Not of the slaves uh-huh. themselves. I see. The good slave owners, mm-hmm. you know, uh, would say, hey, it's winter time. Let us... Help build a church. Because prayers keep you warm. Yeah. For your for you dear folks, which is how all slave owners referred to their slaves. Sure, sure, as sure, 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 you sure, dear sure, folks. sure, 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 sure. Okay. So uh-huh. um I have not now, nor have I ever been an enslaved person. Mm-hmm. Uh nor nor am I you familiar with Hawaii. plantations. I have I am a white. Uh-huh. Um I've never gone to a wedding at a plantation, <laughs> but I have seen lots of American history uh documentaries and read a lot of books. And I don't think the uh slaveholders were like really invested in the emotional and spiritual well-being of their slaves um in so much as sometimes they did force them into christianity if i'm remembering correctly mm-hmm. um but that i don't think was really for um, their souls i think it's because they like Christians like bullying people. Mark Frauenfelder, a writer at Boing Boing, put it really well, I thought. The purpose of the church in the plantation context was often to pacify enslaved individuals with religious teachings Mm. that emphasized obedience. So if they taught them Christianity, uh... it was in the context of, we need to give you other justification as to why this, this thing, this relationship we have is okay. Yeah, this is me just extrapolating as well that um, also were they just assigning these people another thing they had to do? <laughs> like, like truly, unless they were all Christian and all like fucking psyched, sounds like their slaveholders just took their Sunday away from them and made yeah. them go sit and get yelled at about how they're disobedient. Pretty much. Um, so again, and the fact that he refers to the slave owners as a lot of a good lot of people good in people. the plantations. I, I don't know why it made me laugh so hard that he stumbled over the word plantation. He was, he was thinking about how he to was say trying, slave yeah, owners. He was really trying to like walk himself out of that and yeah. landed on really good folks on the, on the yeah. P- plantation. Yep. Because plantation's the dirty word. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Let us help build a church for you, dear folks, which is all they were asking for. All all mm. the enslaved people wanted was more church. Was more church and not uh-huh. like nothing humanity else. Nothing or else. a vote uh-huh. or their fucking 40 acres and a mule or mm. whatever. Mm. Okay, keep going. So, Let's hear it. Yep. And now here is part three of the clip. He's still going. I'm just going to play the rest of this one minute long sermon clip. Here's the rest of it. For you dear folks. And they loved him and taught him how to read so they can read the Bible. And here's what the blacks did about 150 years ago. They humbled themselves. They prayed. They sought God's face and they turned from their wicked ways. And God wicked ways. made slavery illegal through a several white presidents, right? It worked, didn't it? They didn't protest. Uh, yes. Let me read that again for you. Yeah, thank you. I just uh-huh. need to, my brain we'll go sentence by has sentence liquefied. The, he's speaking of the slave owners. Mm-hmm. They loved them and taught them how to read so they could read the Bible. Most, slave, most enslaved people were illiterate. 
They were. Some of them, if they did learn how to read, they did it uh, underground. Like, they mm-hmm. did it in secret. Oh, in the railroad that's under the ground. That is correct. <laughs> if only there was a good phrase for that. <laughs> right. I mean, here's the thing. Anti-literacy laws were commonplace in just about all the slave states. Oh, I forgot about yeah. anti-literacy laws. And, uh, again, among enslaved yeah. people, learning to read occurred in secret because being openly literate could be seen as a liability. Yeah, absolutely. You had to do it in secret. Um, and here's the thing, though. Yeah. I want to I want to add on. Even if what he is saying is true, which I don't doubt that there were cases of quote unquote nice, and I'm using big uh-huh, fucking big square quote quotes hands. around yep. that quote unquote nice slaveholders who educated their did exactly what he said, educated their their people who lived in their house with them, brought them to church, introduced them to Christianity. They thought they were doing the right thing. So I guess my question is like, so fucking what? Mm-hmm. Like, that's my next question. So they did this. They didn't do anything, which is a lie. Um, and then the good thing just happened. So yeah. so he's so he's just saying, shut the fuck up and keep your head down. Pretty much. Cool. Um, notice that he's just glossing over the fact that these the good, people, good people in the plantations, they are Christian in his mind. Like the slave owners here... Are those are the Christians. heroes of his those story. Those are the heroes. Ooh, that's a bad sign, like, eh? He never connects those two dots right there mm. and just skips over that one. Okay, next sentence he said after he yeah. the slave owners taught them how to read the Bible. Uh, and then wait, wait, hold on. I'm yeah. so sorry. I wrote notes. Yes. Okay, well, you keep reading. I'm sure. sorry. I forgot he you're said, rereading it. Uh, they loved them and taught them how to read so they right. could read the Bible. And here's what the blacks did about 150 really years ago. really chill on that. I mm-hmm. bet he doesn't even capitalize the B. <laughs> that was me. I capitalized the B. Good for you, Hammond. Um, did about allies. 150 years ago. <laughs> they humbled themselves. They prayed. Which, yes, religion was a part of the black culture at the time. But also, that's not all they did, if you ever read a history book. So, and wh- then, the oh. next bit, they saw God's face, and they turned from their wicked ways. Okay, you got ahead of me already, because uh-huh. I'm still on the they humbled themselves part. From, yeah, humbled themselves for what? Because what? the billionaires on the submarine Americans were famously overly prideful <laughs> was that a pro- was that yeah. the problem with slavery yeah is that the people who were enslaved what the had too war, much self-respect and dignity the civil war Fuck was fought guys. over the pride <sighs> of the blacks did we talk about abby the american girl on this show we did did we maybe okay. that was a bonus but yes okay um so <laughs> i i tried to read that next sentence they saw god's face Abby, not Abby. The enslaved Sorry. people. They saw God's face and they turned from their wicked ways. Their wicked he's ways talking, is very interesting. He's talking about the enslaved people. Their wicked way, like, do you think he means like paganism or yes. whatever? Like, I think that's what he's getting at. Their yeah. wicked ways being they like, were not Christian and then they were Christian. And, yeah. But if, if you're Santeria, talking about slavery. Like and you mentioned the word wicked, mm. there's only one place that word needs to be applied, and it's not. Well, the slaves weren't Christian enough. Those were the bad They're guys in the story. Ways. Yeah. I mean, I, I uh, okay. I think this presents a really common Christian morality problem that we're faced with a lot. Oh, I don't need these you anymore. You don't need headphones I'm anymore because we're done them. with I the whole them. sermon. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is a stupid show. <laughs> of they do a thing of like sin is sin is sin, right? Murder mm-hmm. is sin, so is stealing, so is lying, all that shit. Um, and I think the danger 
is when you're like, well, everything is a sin, then in their mind... Um, enslaved, it, enslaved people ens- were sinners. Were sinners because they were probably having sex outside of marriage or <laughs> lied. they weren't allowed to marry. Exactly. Uh-huh. Like, and so when you approach the world with like, all sin is bad and it's all evil, like I sin, you sin, we're all sinners... It's much easier to be like, well, yeah, the slaveholders were sinners, but so were the enslaved people, gang. Mm -hmm. So nobody's perfect. Maybe. And the implication (laughs) there is they deserved it, right? Like, isn't that the underlying implication of like, well, you sinned. Well, you sinned. So I think it's a very good example of this sort of like flattening of morality into black and white terms where both just existing as an enslaved black person in, you know, 18th century America is just as bad as owning thousands of human beings and trading them like cattle. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. it's bananas, these people. And then, and then we get to the next part where he says, God made slavery illegal through several white presidents. Now, that was a really fun... (laughs) Turn of phrase. Let's break it down. Yes. God made slavery illegal. God did it. Not the protests and rebellions and abolitionists. Those didn't happen. They didn't You forgot exist. they didn't happen. Nope, because everyone just prayed. So God made it illegal. Not immoral. I want to really sit on that for a little bit. He didn't make it evil. He didn't make it wrong. He no, did. it's his favorite There's part m- of his book. <laughs> he talks about it so much. He loves them. Uh-huh. He threw and he several did it. white presidents at the problem until it was solved keep in mind like it's not like the first 15 presidents tried super hard to end slavery Truly. and then number 16 signed the paper and pulled it off if That's i was not still how doing it works. custom cross stitch i would <laughs> immediately demand somebody ordered <laughs> Say it again, say it again. God made slavery illegal through several white presidents, right? It worked, didn't it? What white presidents was he talking about? We have Abraham Lincoln, named three others. That's the only one there is. Um, Okay. Like, the guy after Lincoln was not great. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Who was before Lincoln? Golly, that's a blank spot. That's a trivia question I knew once upon a time and have relegated to a side of my mind. People are yelling into their... I know. Shut up. Present before Lincoln. If you say Jeopardy, I'm going to beat you all up. James Buchanan. I wouldn't have pulled that out. The point is, even Lincoln... What did he do? ...didn't just end it on a whim. There was a war fought... In signing the uh, Emancipation Proclamation didn't just end it. Do you know how I, like, we we know that right now? Because Juneteenth was like two weeks ago. Mm. You would think a guy in Texas giving a sermon would know something about, yeah, slavery didn't just magically end when he signed a piece, a proclamation. Uh Like, no, it took a while. And by the way, that doesn't even get into Reconstruction and Jim Crow laws and all that Mm. stuff. So, like, okay, slavery is illegal, but that didn't happen through several white presidents. I was not listening to you because I was learning a little bit more about Jimmy B. And uh-huh. uh, James Buchanan was president when the Dred Scott decision came down. Mm. So, like... Yeah. Hmm. By the way, most of those other presidents <laughs> were slave owners themselves. Mm-hmm. They supported the institution of slavery. And even if they didn't, it was just like abortion rights are now. Like they're not going to go to go to the mat for this. That right. that's a bargaining chip. They were <laughs> always going to be willing to give up. And to give God credit for ending, <laughs> okay. 
for ending slavery, well, which this pastor did. It's 100 degrees with 100% humidity and 100% smoke in the air. So why don't you tell me what cool shit God has been pulling <laughs> off? Because he's not really checking in here. Yeah. This guy gives God credit for ending slavery by basically asking, I guess, several white presidents to take care of the problem. And, and then, several of them were like, no, thank you, God, yeah. I'm busy. And none of these people will ever blame God for allowing slavery to occur, not just in the U.S., but everywhere else in the world it's happening and has happened. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't get to give God credit for ending the problem that God allowed to happen in the first place. Right. That's something... Um, just, again, slavery ended not because of Lincoln, It just because of Lincoln. It ended because of activists and protesters and economic forces and political shifts yeah. and a civil war. And look, some Christians fought as abolitionists. They deserve credit for that. And they did it because they believed the, their interpretation of the Bible commanded it of them. But... Other people use the Bible to justify slavery. Again, see my interview with Dr. Kelly Carter (laughs) Jackson on this very subject. And by the way, none of this even gets into redlining and the Tulsa massacre. And it took another century for the Civil Rights Act and systemic racism exists. And today they just ended affirmative action in colleges. Yeah, it's cool. Everything's great. I, (laughs) I mean, when he was talking about there's no protests, I was like, is he like trying to dog them for not doing a million man march until the 60s? Or like, you know what I mean? Which the you know, march. this guy who is speaking was not a fan of anyway. No, of course he wasn't. <laughs> and nor is this guy, oh my God, it's so fucking wild how these people think. Just wait, I haven't dropped the mic yet on this guy. Well, don't, they're really oh, expensive. I know. Uh, okay. So, yep. this is the minute of the sermon. Uh, oh, by the way, he's, I didn't have a clip of this, but he did say this. Maybe there's a place for protests. I don't know. But there, there's sometimes it, uh, there was a wise pastor that warned his flock that January 6th was a trap. It's a trap. This idea that maybe there's a place for protests. Yeah, it's in the Constitution. We can protest, dude. Well, I get, like, what is, like, this what is his larger point? Is, is his he larger just point anti-protest? Like, all protesting is bad. If you're trying to create change in America, when it is necessary, is the only way to do that is to, through prayer and asking God to fix the problem, and not by, like, marching yeah. somewhere and demanding it of the government. That's, I believe, the best interpretation, best case interpretation of what he's actually trying to say. Uh-huh. But you could tell why this minute-long clip of an hour-long sermon yeah. went viral for all the wrong reasons. And So who is this guy? Oh, hey, before we yes. figure out who this guy is, not to be, like, shitting on Lincoln because he did some good stuff, too, I think it's always important to realize that, to Lincoln, freeing the slaves was incidental. His, his goal was to preserve the Union he did not give a shit about slaves. He did not consider them full human beings. And listen, he got the shit done, but like, let's not pretend that he was this magnanimous He's not person. The hero you are yeah, like, for. let's just be wide open, like, oh, clear eyed about who these people are. Like, we don't have to pretend he is this perfect, magnanimous person. He was a human being who had some shitty opinions because he lived in the 1860s. Mm-hmm. Anyway, All right. Okay. Who is, who is Mike Keller? Who is Mike Keller? Well, was he, he has... the guy I went to high school with? Because I do think yes. I went to school he, with the guy with that name. He has a lot of children because he's a conservative Christian who has a quiverful family. Mm-hmm. One of those children is named Anna. What is Anna's last name? Duggar. Anna Duggar is her last name. Oh. Why is her last name Duggar and his name Keller? Because she married into the Duggar family. Which one did she marry? Which one did she Wait, marry? What was her first name? 
Anna. Anna. Okay. Anna it wasn't married the oldest who? one. It, it was, was. It wasn't Josh. It was Josh. She married Josh. She married Josh wow. Duggar, the guy who sexually abused his own sisters and is currently sitting in jail for downloading. How do I get around saying this? Illicit content involving kids. He is Josh Duggar's father-in-law. Huh. So they all have pretty savory uh, opinions this on just about everything. Wants you to know how to be a good Christian. He is the father-in-law to Josh Duggar. By That's the way, fun. another one of his kids is married to a guy named David, who happens to be the pastor of Fair Park Baptist Church, which is which is the church Mike Keller was preaching at. It was his son-in-law's oh. church. Uh, by the way. The pastor, David, of Fair Park Baptist Church, he actually asked a judge, hey, can you let Josh Duggar go free? Come on. We all make mistakes. Before you sentence him to jail. Come on. He's a good guy. Uh Uh-huh. So... Mike Keller, by the way, evangelizes in Florida prisons. That's kind of his ministry. Mm -hmm. And there's clips of him on 19 Kids and Counting doing this. He lives in Texas. Maybe he lived in Florida in the past. Um, I'm not sure. Um... Yeah, so that's who this guy is. He's related to the Duggars, because everyone's related to the Duggars. Well, Everyone listening to this show is probably two degrees away from tr- a Duggar. Statistically speaking. Statistically well, speaking. large numbers. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is... Good wow. times, good times. So he doesn't know history. They're He's perpetuating misinformation. He's ways. downplaying slavery, guided by the false notion that the Bible must always be used for good. Several white presidents <laughs> have said. By the way, uh, elsewhere That's in his sermon, and there's no reason to clip this, just take my word on this, uh, he talked about how Florida is a righteous, God-fearing state. And of course, if you followed anything about what's happening in Florida, this is where DeSantis picked a fight over AP African-American studies. Because no one in these guys' circles want people to learn about black history in a comprehensive way. Because the more educated people become about the true history of our country, the faster they will realize how much bullshit people like Mike Keller are spreading. Okay, I have an eyes open versus eyes closed question. Uh Uh-huh. When we talk about these things of they're attacking history, right, as a way to to control the narrative that yeah. people are learning, do you think that is a <clears throat> a uh, conscious thing of like we cannot let them learn about how black people were treated and still are treated because they will leave our situation? Or do you think they genuinely believe that, like, the only parts of American culture that matter are, like, the history books that we grew up thinking written by white dudes? Mm. I think they don't know any better. I mean, best case scenario, I don't think they're doing it to suppress knowledge. I think they don't have the knowledge, and they think, oh, these people want us to learn about slavery or whatever. Their version of teaching slavery will make white kids feel bad, which... Whatever. It, no one's blaming you for it, mm-hmm. but you should know history and you right. should know what happened in this country. And they think that knowledge is just somehow anti them. Mm. And so they don't want people to learn it because they think it's ideological instead of factual. Gotcha. Um, so I think, I mean, I, I, don't, I think they're doing it because their eyes are closed. Mm. I don't think they're purposely trying to suppress it, but okay. that's the end result. But that's the point. Like these people want to shut down that sort of knowledge 
And then they go ahead forward and spread this misinformation. It's not just guys like this. David Barton, the pseudo-historian, does it all the time. Mm. Where he says, let me tell you about the founding fathers and the Christian history mm-hmm. of our nation. It's like, you could talk to historian after historian who will tell you none of what David Barton says is accurate. Yeah. But they're not looking for accuracy. They're looking for a version of the story that meshes. They want to reaffirm their own worldview. World. Yeah. Well, it did, and it also kind of, if you lay on top of like when Common Core math was like the biggest mm-hmm. like conservative sticking point for a long time, I feel like it is a little bit of that of like, well, I don't know about this shit. Why? And I'm fine. How come my <laughs> kid has to know about yeah. it? And like, people get very defensive if you point out gaps in their knowledge, especially Uh people who try to present to the world like they're actually smart when, in fact, they're big dum-dums. So I'm very curious to find out, like, why did the church pull the entire sermon from YouTube? Because their channel is still up, but that sermon was taken down. That's right, you did Is it because the church realized what he said or because they're just sick of the backlash? I don't know the answer to that. I think number two. Uh, But... Very interesting. I'm glad people saw that and spread it. And wow. man, let's jump to the Supreme Court. Uh, we're recording this Friday, uh, sorry, Thursday, Thursday night. And on Friday will be the last uh, decision day of this term. And one of the, probably by the time you hear this, one of the things the Supreme Court will decide on is a case called 303 Creative v. Alenis, whatever. It's the case that involves a conservative Christian web designer from Colorado who said, I want to design websites, Mm -hmm. but also I don't want to design wedding websites for gay people because Mm -hmm. that would violate my religion. And the state's anti-discrimination laws would punish her for that. Keep in mind that when this case started, it's like, oh, well, have you designed wedding websites for gay people? No. Have you designed wedding websites? No. But I want to. And if I do, then I don't want to deal with same-sex couples. Is uh, like it was a weak argument to begin with. Wait, it's isn't that like what's the thing where you, you have to don't have standing? Have standing? Oh, right. Everybody, did you hear that we said it at the same time? He yes. didn't say it. I remembered it too. But here's what we learned today morning. Uh, today morning, seemingly out of nowhere. Again, this Good case is going to be decided on Friday, mm-hmm. and on Thursday we got this from the New Republic. Uh, Melissa Jira Grant is the reporter who found this, basically saying if you go back to the origins of this case, um, the question of standing was probably uh, an important one to the Christian right groups that were trying to get this case in front of the Supreme Court. And the thing is, it would really help if a gay couple said, we want to come to you to design our wedding website, so would you do it? And if you look at early documents in the court battle over this case, um, the Alliance Defending Freedom, the right-wing group that backed up this designer, her name is Lori Smith, (laughs) the right-wing group said, well, she did get a request to make a wedding website from a same-sex couple, Stuart and Mike. And actually, if you dig deep into the documents, like you could see the email they sent inquiring about a website, and they actually had information for who these people, like here's their number, here's their thing. And what Grant, the reporter at the New Republic, did now, which apparently no one else had done, is call up Stuart. Like, hey, did you make this request to Lori Smith like all these years ago? And this is from her article in the New Republic. Yes, that was his name, phone number, email address, and website on the inquiry form. Like, she called the right guy. But he never sent this form, he said. And at the time it was sent, he was married to a woman. 
Quote, what? If somebody's pulled my information as some kind of supporting information or documentation, somebody's falsified that, Stewart explained. Quote, I wouldn't want anybody to make me a wedding website, he continued, with a question mark. Sounding a bit puzzled, but good-natured about the whole thing. I'm married. I have a child. I'm not really sure where that came from, but somebody's using false information in a Supreme Court filing document. Oh, my God. (laughs) It didn't make sense to him, he told me later via text message. Why would a web designer, as the website... Oh, I'm sorry. Let me clarify here. This guy, Stuart, is a web designer. (laughs) So he said, why would a web designer, as the website the inquiry referenced as his own made clear that he was, Mm. why would a web designer living in San Francisco seek to hire someone in another state who has never built a wedding website, 15, 2015, why would I, he's basically saying, why would I, a web designer mm. living in California, yeah. ask someone in Colorado, Colorado who has never built a wedding website, let alone a website for a same-sex wedding, and to not- build his wedding website? Basically, this guy, now that he sees the information, he's like, none of this makes any sense. Okay. Why would I have asked her to do this? That makes no sense. Uh-huh. He's saying, I didn't write this inquiry. This this is me. This is the guy in the Can document. Can he sue? That's too late now. Supreme Court's going to rule on this tomorrow. Well, but the bottom line here is... Wait, but he don't, they don't have standing. Why wouldn't the lawsuit be dismissed? Great question. Now, as she points out, the reporter, is it possible this guy forgot that he made a request like a decade ago or whatever, several years ago? Maybe. Is it possible he's pulling some elaborate prank? Maybe. But it is also possible that this request was like pulled out of thin air by the Christians filing this lawsuit just to make sure they have standing and make sure that this case wouldn't be thrown out. Now, I don't know anything about anything. Is there any reason that this will or will not, this information will or will not be shared to the Supreme Court when they discuss it? Or I guess, have they already decided? Odds are they already decided that everything's written. They're just waiting to release it. So I don't know if this makes any difference. I will say... There are, I'll get to this in a second, but there are plenty of instances where the original, like, story that launched the initial legal problem that led to the Supreme Court, those facts often get, like, muddied up over time. And usually what happens... it's not about that particular person. it's not about you, it's about the legal principle here. So odds are, even if this is all bullshit to begin with, they're still ruling on principle, and that's what's scary. You don't want this court... Ruling on church state anything. Right. Or LGBTQ rights. Now, it's not the only way this lawsuit is bullshit to begin with. As other people have reported before, this woman, Lori Smith, had not designed wedding websites at all before this case began. Her company's website never had any Christian messaging on it until, like, right before the lawsuit was filed. And then after it was filed, she's like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So, you know, I, I, you can't make me Are design something against my Are you telling me that the Christian right is being dishonest in order to get oh. their point across? Well, yes. They have and the Bible their on their that side. They need? And, by the way, this supposed inquiry Why from Stewart and Mike. so fucking much about this shit? Like, they this have is... the court they want. They'll do whatever it takes to no, get any case they I'm want I'm talking bigger picture. Oh. Like, why is this... What conservatives are focusing on right now? What are they like, gonna do? Help poor know. people? I, I just truly like it. Feels so unsustainable to me, and I think I mean, and this is just me being optimistic, but like I feel like in the midterms we kind of saw that like lack of backswing to the Republicans, which we usually see in the first midterm after a presidential election. 
Um, and I just think people are kind of sick of this bullshit. Like, even people who I don't think maybe, they realize that. I mean, DeSantis I mean, is running his whole presidential campaign on the notion that everyone wants what he's given to Florida. And I personally think that's not a winning argument to anybody. Yeah. And he's not... I don't know how long it'll take them to realize I guess, it. Yeah, I guess. They're still doubling down on abortion. Like Mike Pence's brilliant idea this week was, I think all the Republican presidential candidates should get behind a federal 15-week ban, even in blue states. It's like, buddy, you're not mm, helping. You're, you're not no, sounding like the reasonable dude here. So, I mean, no, they haven't learned their lesson. But by the way, this inquiry from mm-hmm. Stewart and Mike arrived a day after the lawsuit was filed. Like, wow. all of this is bullshit. It's such bullshit. Yeah. And by the way, if you remember a year ago God, when, when the, the truth mattered. No. Me neither. Um, I don't think it a ever year did. ago when the Supreme Court ruled in that Kennedy case involving the praying high school coach, the mm. first line in Neil Gorsuch's majority opinion was this. Joseph Kennedy lost his job as a high school football coach because he knelt at midfield after games to offer a quiet prayer of thanks. How many errors are in that sentence? At least two big ones. He didn't lose his job. He quit. And he didn't offer a quiet prayer. Sonia Sotomayor literally included a picture in her dissent, like, of the spectacle Mm. it had become, saying this ain't quiet. So the thing is, So just because you're the most powerful person in the land does not mean that you have any moral or ethic ethical boundaries, as we can see mm. by Clarence Thomas. And they don't care about the facts of this case. They went with the right-wing spin of the case that Kennedy himself and the right-wing Christian legal groups, they were all selling a version of the story. And the Supreme Court's like, all right, not our job to adjudicate facts. We're here to deal with the principle of the matter. Am I sweating because I'm so angry or because it's 95 degrees in here? Um, also, the sky is orange. Oh, so yeah. that too. Did you guys like sunshine? Because we are not <laughs> going to be seeing that again for the rest of the summer. Yeah. Truly, um, we had to. I want to be very clear in Chicago, if y'all aren't aware, I'm going to have to. Can- we've had to cancel writing lessons this whole week oh, yeah. because the air quality is dangerous. In the Midwest, it's horrible right now. It's it was very. In bad. like the East Coast, what, a week ago? And yeah. it'll be going somewhere else after this. Yeah. Not it's fun. It's been. Shitty. The one thing that all of this reminded me of, do you remember, I don't know if we talked about this on here, um, Lawrence v. Texas is the Supreme Court case from like a, uh, 2005 maybe, but it's the one that overturned Texas's anti-sodomy laws. Oh, yes, And it was it one of the, Justice uh, Anthony Kennedy was like the swing vote, and he famously like helped overturn the anti-sodomy laws. Like, if two gay guys want to have sex, that's not a crime in the privacy of their home, right? Do you remember at all what that case was about? Yes, I do. What was that case about? Um, It... Fuck. It was, at some point, police burst into a man's apartment and, quote-unquote, caught him having sex with somebody, uh, with a man, and arrested him for it. But I feel like that mm-hmm. is like an apocryphal story, that that's not exactly, like it was so, a, a setup, And right? this is why I want to bring it up here. That is the version of the story that I think most people are familiar with. Um, there was a wonderful book written several years ago uh, called Flagrant Conduct by an author, uh, Professor Dale Carpenter, uh, that went over this whole case. He talked to everyone involved mm. in this case. And one of the thing is, uh, the thing about this case is, it is true that a police officer said, these two gay guys were having sex, and I'm writing that up as a criminal offense. That Mm -hmm. happened. That's what the whole case was based off of, because there was a charge, a crime, against these guys. And so the premise of that, like, it exists. 
that is somebody what, wrote a ticket. Somebody wrote a ticket. These two men were having sex. Yes. That's illegal. But, but as <laughs> he found out over the course of the reporting, it's not at all clear that's what those two guys were doing at all. Here's a New Yorker review of the book framed it this way. The case that affirmed the right of gay couples to have consensual sex in private spaces seems to have involved two men who are neither a couple nor having sex. Were they gay? They were gay. Okay. Both of one of them died before you could really get into uh, interviewing him. The other one was like he didn't say they had any they had sex. One officer, only two of the four officers on the scene said, I saw them having sex, but even both of them couldn't agree what kind of sex it was. Sure. And the other two are like, well, I didn't see it, but if that's what you say, I'm going to write them up for doing the sex. if one officer is like, oh, he was getting oral sex, and the other officer is like, no, he was giving anal sex. That is what they said. Those are extremely different things to see and And the officer who wrote them up is one of the guys who didn't see them doing it. He's like, well, if that's what you guys say, I'll just say they had sex. Why do people think all cops are bastards? Because they uh seem cool. The point is, a lot of these stories, the thing that kind of... That's Lawrence. Lawrence is one of the two gay guys Mm. at the center of that story. The case themselves, like the thing that launches the whole battle may not always be what you think it is but again if at some point that stops mattering but at least again i will say i'm not equating these two because in lawrence v texas they were written up they were charged with the crime it was in the police fucking shit up not the the litigants in the 303 creative case that the supreme court is ruling on friday with this woman with the website who wants to be a website designer, and by the way, it doesn't look like she's very good at it. Um, There's no instance, it looks like, where anyone even asked her to do the thing that she is complaining that she was asked to do, uh, which is a wild way. It's the uh, area code for Aurora, Colorado. Oh, there you go. So that's where she's at. Anyway, uh, Supreme Court's not going to care about any of this. They're probably, prediction from a guy who's not a lawyer, they're going to rule in her favor and find a way to say, well, she shouldn't have to make uh, a website for gay couples. She, there should be like a religious exemption to anti-discrimination everything. laws to and everything else. Everything. Which, I'm going to uh, sue my grocery store because as a Christian, I don't want to have to eat anymore. And the grocery store is just there swinging its big cucumbers in my face as if I'm not tempted by it. It's sexual harassment, really. Also, I hate cucumbers, but I Mm. couldn't think of the word zucchini very fast. (laughs) Let's go to this story. (sighs) Uh, No, wait. Just give me a second. Do you have any good news? I don't want any more cucumber jokes. It was a pretty funny joke. Um, I will get to one happy one in a little bit. Um, in a little bit. I He's lied. Dry. There's no happy ones. Fuck you. Sorry. Um, He's crossing something out. I was He's crossing like, that was out the one cheap. happy story. <laughs> um, no, this is wild. I didn't see this coming. Um, th- one of the bills that gets passed every year, like bipartisan basis, it actually does get passed no matter who's in uh, office okay. is the National Defense Authorization Act. We want to give money to the military. Uh, no member of we Congress. Do, we we, <laughs> we is speaking for a lot of people. There you go. Members of Congress are very hesitant about saying, no, I don't think the army should have money. Which is wild because they're pretty fucking chill with taking money away from schools. Mm-hmm. So that kind of tells you so, a lot. The NDAA. It's like kids can't vote. <laughs> the NDAA is usually passed on a bipartisan basis. Yeah, there are some people who will vote against it, but it passes overwhelmingly every time. If there's any fight, mm. it's over specifically 
the bloated price tag and like how much should we give, not should we give. Well, we need to like make that. sure that we fulfill a contract so we can build thousands of planes that we'll yes. never use. Yes. This year's version right now, as it stands, it's not uh, done yet, but okay. this year's version, $886 billion in defense spending. Holy so that's what they're uh, going to pass. Anyway, that's oh the bill. God. But th- and I'm sorry. Yeah. Do veterans get very good health care and benefits oh, after no, they serve the country? Not part of it. So where does that trillion dollars go to um, invisible know. jets that we can't use yeah wonder woman's busy uh to save submarines full of rich people nah. okay Fuck so those guys uh one of the things that happened this week is or that happened recently but we found out about it this week there is a republican who's the chairman of the house intelligence committee Uh-oh. like a high-ranking republican his name is uh mike turner he's a republican from ohio are you about okay. to tell me about another republican who is corrupt no it's not corrupt Uh-oh. it's just evil so here's the thing. When you have a bill that is guaranteed to pass, because it always passes... I mean, we talk about the difference between corruption and evilness at some other time. Sure. Um, it down, when you have honest. a bill like the NDAA that is basically guaranteed to pass, mm. it's an easy way for every politician to just start uh, attaching their sure. little pet projects to Earmarks? it. Earmarks? Earmarks, or just personal priorities, whatever mm. agenda they have. And a lot of times... And this like, can tank... Uh, bills, right? If, if could, people attach bullshit to it them. It could. But this is the chance, or this is the thing that it won't. Here's the thing. Everyone attaches, like everyone files amendments, everyone files the earmarks, uh-huh. and then most of them get stripped away. But you get to say for at least three days, like, you guys, I tried. And you can campaign you on, can campaign I'm on trying that. to do it. Okay. Crazy. The thing that Mike Turner, uh, he released, he put out a press release actually saying, like, you guys, look at all the stuff I got added to the version of the bill that passed, like, the subcommittee. And he bragged about all the amendments he got added onto it. Um, whatever. I, I don't even care because there's nothing weird about that. There's right, nothing that's... unusual about that. What was surprising to me is there was one amendment that he filed that did get passed in the uh, sub- House Armed Services Committee that he didn't mention in his press release. Oh. And I'm going to read it to you because it's really short. Okay. None of the funds authorized by this, I'll paraphrase because it's weird. Um, all this money that we're giving to the defense side of things, uh-huh. none of that money can be used, one, to communicate with the Military Religious Freedom Foundation, its leadership or its founder. Two, none of the money can be used to take any action or make any decision as a result of any claim, objection, or protest made by the Military Religious Freedom Foundation without the authority of the Secretary of Defense. Wow. I will translate that That for you. is specific. Like, he's going after this that one group. surgical. <laughs> and the Military Religious Freedom Foundation is basically a church-state separation group yeah. that focuses on the military anytime they're privileging Christianity. Which so they Mike always Turner, are. Which they always are. And so basically this guy's saying... If we give you money, you can't use your, like, email. You can't, in your professional capacity, you can't talk to them. You can't talk to the group's president. You cannot do anything because the group writes to you and says, you guys are breaking the law here. You need to fix this. You cannot respond to anything they say unless... The Secretary of Defense personally greenlights it. And the Secretary... Sorry, my voice just broke. The Secretary of Defense is famously somebody with a ton of time on their plate. Right. I think that's the whole point. Like, you're giving it to somebody whose job is should not be to micromanage anything and won't have time to look at your little list here. Yeah, Lee, this is evil, uh-huh. huh? So, it's like, what is happening? And by the way, 
one of the group's uh, spokespeople, I forgot uh, her exact title, but Chris Rada, she mentioned that this amendment would also obliterate her group's ability to get responses to FOIA requests <gasps> because it would be illegal for any FOIA officer in the military to respond to our requests. And what is, is he justifying this in any way no. aside from nope, the obvious? Because he didn't mention it anywhere publicly. So he's not even campaigning. So he nope. knows it's underhanded. Uh huh. It's basically like telling the Department of Justice you can't communicate with the ACLU or NAACP. Truly. Like you just can't. And if they tell you you're doing something illegal or wrong, sorry, just ignore them. Okay, so what happens next? All right, so Mikey Weinstein, who's the president of the Military Religious Freedom Foundation, here's what he said. If they don't like what we do at MRFF on behalf of our 84,000-plus military and veteran clients... Wow. I have a beef with that number, but okay. Okay. They can take a number, pack a picnic lunch, and stand in line with the rest of those fundamentalist, Christian, extremist bastards who constitute our enemies. Unquote. Whoa. Um, okay. That's actually a pretty mild quote from him. Um... um. I will Maybe say, we don't need to toss around the word enemies so much. That doesn't feel like a productive piece of language. That's this guy for you. Listen, I have complaints about MRFF because I think they treat every potential church-state problem as if an arsonist started a five-alarm fire. Um, like, I see what you mean. They overreact to everything. They can't handle criticism. They just make up numbers, as far as I'm concerned, about how many clients they have. Because every letter they send is, uh, we have a letter from somebody who says, on behalf of me and 37 of my colleagues, we're all very opposed to this thing that just happened. But it's not like there's 37 signatures Well, the I can't the find, I mean, they're not going to publicize it because they'll just say, well, it, we have to protect their anonymity. So it's hard to verify everything they're saying. I don't think I know saying. how anything works anymore. That's okay. But the point is, on principle... When is they talk shirt, about church state, I don't know. Nice. I just find stuff and then I wear it. It's slick looking. Thank it's one you. of those that like when you roll up the sleeves, the inside's a different, uh, different color. Uh, it's slick. The whole point is this guy on principle, though, MRFF <laughs> files pretty good, if not lawsuits, they write complaint letters that yeah. do make a good point. Sure. The military in this capacity is giving religious privilege to Christianity. Right. And by the way, He's, uh, Mikey Weinstein says this all the time. They do have Christian and Jewish and non-Christian members, sure. they say, who have problems with this. Like, they have Christian members who have a problem with what you are doing here. Mm -hmm. And by the way, what you're doing is illegal. We can point to the military code of ethics or whatever and tell you why it's wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and the military is even more strict about this stuff than, like, the Constitution is. Right. So, like, on principle, I don't have a problem with what they are doing. Right. But it is wild for a Republican to specifically target that group and say, uh, by the way, when we pass this must-pass bill, uh, we're specifically going to punish this one group, and which is incredible. I think has, I know why he's doing has it. Has anything like that had precedent before? I'm sure it like, has. I don't know. I can't think off the top of my head. Like, I'm wondering if they do things like the KKK and pretend that those are all of a piece, right? Of, like, this quote-unquote activist group. That's what I'm wondering of, like, is he saying, well, they could say nobody, you know, can have this money if they've interacted with the KKK. So it follows that the KKK I'm and sure. the American atheists or whatever yeah. are functionally the same in his brain. I'm sure they do it all the time. But this, I've never seen them target a church-state separation group like this, which is also weird it's because so if blatant, any it? member of the military actually did have a complaint about church-state separation, 
There are other groups that could do it. Americans United for Separation of Church and State, FFRF, uh, the ACLU. You could go to any of them. It's weird that he's specifically targeting this one group, and I think I know why he's doing it. Is it because this Mikey guy's kind of a dick? Uh, yes, but yeah. not that's not the reason. Because I don't know you, Mikey, in but, 2016, you know, some language that needs to chill out. <laughs> in 2016, at Wright Patterson Air Force Base, which happens to be in Mike Turner's district in uh, Dayton, Ohio, I believe, there was a table honoring uh, prisoners of war, um, and that sort of memorial display is seen at a lot of military bases everywhere. Mm. But this particular display had a Bible on it. Um, and also that also happens at a lot of these displays. Mm -hmm. And Weinstein and his group wrote a letter saying you got to remove the Bible from the display uh, because you're implying that all these prisoners of war are Christian right. and they're not. Yeah. It's, we're it's not saying they're, they're not Christians included in that. Right. But like you're implying non-Christians didn't make the same sacrifices as other soldiers. Or don't deserve to be recognized. Or don't deserve to be recognized. Or it you, doesn't matter what they feel. Yeah. yeah. And there are ways to handle that. You could put other books there in place of the Bible, like a common book of religious everything or whatever. Sure. Or Aesop's, just remove the Aesop's book. fables. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you want. Um, and so I think this guy, Turner, was so pissed off that he made that thing. And by the way, the Air Force Base conceded, like, that point. They removed the Bible from that display at the time. So they were right. Of course they and were right. Again, on principle, MRFF was right. So now he's trying to block the military from having interactions with MR MRFF, basically a group that seems to win every single time because they have the benefit of being right on all these issues. Weinstein did say if this amendment makes it to the final bill, his group will file a lawsuit over the matter. Who, um, which one's Weinstein? Uh, Weinstein's the head of MRFF, oh, the founder. Oh, okay. He said, we'll file a lawsuit if this passes. I will say, like I said, uh, there are a million amendments that get attached to of this course. particular bill because it's must pass. Almost all of them get stripped by the time this thing makes it like past the end goal here. Uh -huh. um, so it's probably not going to be around for very long. Sure. But still, it's messed up. I, yeah, let's let's not ignore it because it's going to go away. Um, That's a reporter for the insidious. Colorado Springs Indy newspaper spoke with someone who works with the House Armed Services Committee, which mm -hmm. is the subcommittee that passed this bill oh God. Uh, with the amendment. And that person told her it was the result. It was it wasn't because of that uh, prisoner of war display. It was actually two other things that made uh, them go after MRFF. Okay. Number one. MRFF objected to a painting of Jesus walking on water <laughs> at the Merchant Marines Academy. <laughs> and after they complained about it, it was removed. Oh, and also boy. MRFF objected to a cross being displayed at a Veterans Administration facility, like a VA hospital uh -huh. in Texas, and it was removed in less than two hours. Wow. So again, on principle, the group was right on both of those. Like, stop putting up Well, this guy, th this things. guy thinks they're tattletales. That's exactly, uh -huh. he's like, snitches get stitches, and stitches <laughs> are going to be, you don't get to talk to us yeah. anymore. And like, the thing is, there's no, uh, you could say, like, Mikey's not uh, a people person oh, in yeah. this stuff. But the point is, there's really no nice way to tell people you, you got to stop promoting your religion in the military. Oh, there sure. is no nice way to say that. Doesn't matter if you say it with a smile, well, they're going to be angry about it. I think you know that I wasn't mad at the uh, the wording of his lawsuit. I was right, mad that right. he said that these people are our enemies, which is frankly a bananas thing to put out into the world. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we really need more divisive. Like, let their shit talk. By the way, for, talk for itself. All the other church state separation groups that do similar work. They've pretty much supported MRFF's position here. The Freedom From Religion Foundation said in a statement, it deplores Representative Mike Turner's Kafkaesque amendment 
and that it is shocking that the House Armed Services Committee approved it. Um, Kafka-esque. Yes, just horrible evil. I, I feel like Kafka-esque tends to be more about like physical deformities and things no. like that, whereas really? Kafka, the fucking metamorphosis... When Is he that what the word a means? Cockroach? Go look up Kafkaesque. Um, while you're doing that, by the way, I was looking like, did they debate this amendment at all? Did they talk about it? Did they do a voice vote on this thing? Because Democrats voted for this amendment too. I'm not like giving them a pass here. And here's what happened. When they did the amendment, it was actually part of a larger package with a whole bunch of amendments like jammed into one thing. And they're like, hey guys, here's package number like 3163 with a gazillion amendments. Do we pass it? And they said, yeah. And then they moved on with their day. And this happened to be one of the amendments in it. So it's possible that a lot of these committee members, including some Democrats, didn't really pay any attention to what amendments they were passing. Maybe because they're like, well, all these amendments are going to be stripped anyway, so we don't care. Well, yeah. And we've also seen time and time again that there is, with, with a lot of frequency, people get shit that they physically could never read in yeah. time to vote on. I will it. say By one more thing. Mikey Weinstein had a message for anyone supporting this amendment uh, quote, we will never go away and all of you can go F yourselves. Unquote. People pleasing. Okay. Oh, Jesus, that's not helpful. <laughs> like, like, really? It's just... I mean, it's one thing when I say shit like that on this stupid podcast <laughs> that nobody listens to. I don't have to work directly with the fucking military. Like, come on, we still have to be fucking grown-ups This is another complaint here. I have about MRFF, which is every one of their letters to the military, which they publicize, as every group does. Yeah. Like, we wrote a letter to the military to complain about this thing. It's always like, you have committed the most egregious example of Christian nationalism like we have ever seen in American history. It's like... Buddy, they, someone just put a cross on their desk. You can ask them to take yeah, it down. Yeah, it's, it's fine. really... Okay, apparently uh, Kafka also, in addition to the metamorphosis, which is when a guy wakes yes. up and finds himself as a cockroach. Yes. And he, like, worries about going to work, if I remember right. Um, he had a book called The Trial, which apparently yes. was he... Uh, somebody was tried for a crime that's never mentioned, I guess. Okay. I don't know. I had never read it. I've only read Metamorphosis and... Thank God I made the correct connection between Kafka and Metamorphosis because truly if I had just yelled like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I do have a good news story for you. Okay. Get this. Um, you know, in 2022 and elect recent elections, I, I tried yet. to keep a collection of like, are there any openly non-religious candidates running for office? Yes, I would argue one of our most boring segments. Yes. And then. Oh, the city councilor in Oklahoma. No, state legislators. Or Congress people. Uh -huh. <clears throat> like, people at the state level or higher. I'm not making fun of people who are actually doing this work. I'm making fun of Hammond. Oh, yeah, I get it. Um, oh, no, I know you get it, but some people <laughs> take everything I say with the worst possible interpretation. <laughs> what surprised me is that in Colorado, um, they had seven non-religious politicians who won their elections. These are openly non-religious people who were in going Colorado? to be in Colorado's Colorado state legislature. Colorado is a banana state, politically speaking, because I mm. always thought it was just a big blue chunk, but obviously there are some... And then Colorado Springs is like focused on the family yeah, and the evangelical I, home and everything. Very naive about the politics but of Colorado. They, they had seven politicians winning in 2022. At the state Five level. Of, at the state level. Five of them were incumbents who net usually win again. Sure. Um, and they included people who were like spiritual but not religious, yeah. agnostic. One's an atheist. One just said, I don't belong to any organized religion. Uh -huh. Fine. Um, two of them were brand new. They were challengers who won their races 
And again, they were razor thin margins. Like they won very close races, but also one of them was openly humanist. Mm. And another was a quote, secular humanist, an ex-vangelical and an atheist. Wow. Ex-vangelical. That's a big claim. When you're running a race that's going to be close, you want to do anything you can to make sure nothing's going to hurt you. And the fact that these two candidates, uh, Jennifer Parenti and Stephanie Vigil, the fact that both of them were like, no, I'm openly Mm non-religious and they didn't hide from that. That was inspiring in a lot of ways. Do you feel like the term quote unquote openly is going to go by the wayside? Because already it starts to like kind of send my hackles up. It's like, oh, she's an open atheist. Like (laughs) it's important for this story. Okay. But here's the thing. If if you're keeping score there, that's seven people who are openly non-religious out of 65 state house members in Colorado. Dang, that's more than 10%. Right? Not bad. My math? You are good. (laughs) Guess what? Turns out all those numbers are wrong. Like, total underestimates. Complete underestimates. I thought it was seven out of 65. The Center for Free Thought Equality, who I worked with, uh, a wing of the American Human Association, they do an actual organized job of keeping track of this stuff. Uh They peg the number at seven as well. Um... But according to the publication Colorado Politics and their reporter Hannah Metzger, they conducted their own survey of politicians' religious beliefs, and they have closer ties to all these politicians. And they said of the 100 uh, House and Senate state legislature members in Colorado, there's 100 total, Mm -hmm. 24 identify as non-religious including atheists, agnostics, humanists, and more. Wait, what? She counted 24. I counted seven. Yeah. Wait, a quarter of them. Try again. But like twenty four percent out of twenty four out of a hundred. Out of a hundred. Yeah, sorry. I heard, did you say seventy four at some point? That was in the state house. Sixty five in the state house. But that would have been right <clears throat> if I had the right numbers. Tell everybody how smart your math I am. would have been correct Thank if you. you did the if math I've been correctly. <laughs> yes. But she said there are six nuns in the Senate, eighteen in the House. Wow. One of them is a Republican. What? Yeah. He still believes in a higher power and he sees faith as generally good and he clearly has disdain for church-state separation. But she didn't mention him by name, which I, su- I was surprised by. Interesting. Here's what he said. Representative Ryan Armagost uh, is the sole non-religious Republican. This guy who is agnostic said he believes in a higher power but doesn't put a name or religion to it. Dot, dot, dot. Faith in one form or another is good, he said. I think it's something that we all need at the start of each day. If people are uncomfortable with it, I think those are more the people that are just anti-religion. It's like, dude. Well, even if they are just just anti-religion, their opinion and belief still matters just as much as yours. I don't know if I would count this guy as a nun. He's agnostic, but he believes there's something out there. Whatever. But if I'm not nitpicking that stuff, this Republican is saying I'm not particularly religious, and that's a big deal. And there was one other person who was willing to use her name, Representative uh, Lorena Garcia, who's non-religious. She said, uh, when it comes to religion, um, it doesn't... She said she's always questioned the need for prayer in the leadership of the legislature. She Uh said it's always just a matter of tradition to do an invocation. She said, it doesn't make sense to me. I think it's a waste of time. Uh An entire third of the population doesn't pray. If you're going to pray, pray on your own time. Wow. Damn, go you. That's amazing. Those are the only two of the 24 people who were new to the list, and she was willing, and they were willing to let her use their their actual names. That means that we now have nine people in Colorado 
huh. in the legislature out of 100 people who are willing to put their names next to their non-religious labels. Yeah. And then another, like, 15 who are anonymous still, which is, again, just wild. Um, and I wonder if anonymous is... Is there purposely keeping that to their vest, or if it's just, oh, nobody asked, so I don't talk about it, yeah, or whatever? I, I asked Ron Millar of the Center for Free Thought Equality, why do you think these other people want to be anonymous? And his response to me mothers are a frequent concern. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> they don't want to oh, come out because they don't want they don't want to tell their Listen, mommies. Even my mom was mad about <laughs> when I came out as an atheist, and she said the words, "I don't believe in God, but I'm not an atheist." Yeah, yeah. This was like 15 years ago, but uh, it's still a great story. <laughs> yeah, um, but still, the, that means like these. Uh, did I say I forgot the number I said? But there's like 18 Eight. non-religious politicians yeah. who are anonymous right now. Or something in Colorado, according to alone. her, whatever number she had, I, my numbers are getting messed up. But even if a couple of states, New Hampshire and Vermont, technically have more non-religious politicians, that's true. Mm. They also somehow have giant legislatures. Like how many people live in New Hampshire? Like twelve, but they 16, have four, like four hundred members of their state legislature. It's wild. Oh, is it like <laughs> a uh, block safety thing that yeah. every block <laughs> needs a representative? Something like that. <laughs> Colorado, though, in terms of percentage, in terms of percentage, Colorado is the most non-religious state legislature in the country by her math. Which normally I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. But that sort of like red streak of white nationalism going through the state kind of kind of threw me off. Interesting. Um, And yet, despite all of this, uh, in a state that is uh, seen by at least one survey as the fifth highest religiously unaffiliated population in the country. Fifth um, highest? Fifth highest. Like, Population by state or by like Colorado? Metro? Colorado has m- like a higher percentage of non-religious people than most states in the country. You would think politicians anywhere yeah. on the spectrum here would say like, all right, maybe I should tone it down with their Christian nationalism rhetoric. They don't see that yet. They don't. They haven't seen any negative last, reason. Last year, a Republican running for the GOP uh, gubernatorial primary, mm. uh, in that primary, he said... Uh, when it comes to selecting a potential lieutenant governor, he would basically institute a no Jews, no Muslims, no atheist policy. He was only going to pick a Christian. Who said be, this? This is some Republican who lost the GOP primary. Oh. Um, lost the GOP <clears throat> primary? Yep, for governor. Oh, the guy who won the, the person who won the uh, primary lost to uh, Jared Paulus, who is the governor. Mm-hmm. In 2019, a pastor running for state house, who also lost, hmm. uh, said women shouldn't wear pants. They're immodest. They should always wear skirts that like go down to their ankles or whatever. Mm-hmm. And by the way, in That's 20, what I'm wearing right now. Yep. 2015, when a right-wing extremist named Gordon Klingenschmidt was elected to the Colorado State House oh. for one term, the biggest story of his term in office was when he, there was a horrible story of a pregnant woman who was physically attacked by somebody. Uh, spoil, like, uh, sorry for the uh, trigger warning here. Uh, but she had her fetus literally cut out of her body. It was a What's the horrible, name? I, think I've I heard don't this know, story. but it happened years ago. This guy, Klingenschmidt, who was in office, said it was God's way of punishing us for allowing legalized abortion. Yeah. 
These people, despite... Yes, they're monsters. They're monsters. They hate women. And despite Colorado being a non-religious state, or an increasingly non-religious state, with an increasingly non-religious legislature, like is still playing else, these games. They're just galvanizing their... I swear to fucking God, their base is just going to get denser and denser yeah. until it's like a fucking... <laughs> Super and of course, Colorado is the home of Lauren Boebert. Yeah, I mean, it's like just going like truly. It feels like in ten years, it's going to be forty-five people who are just fucking furious and violent, and the rest of us are like, "You guys, yeah, <laughs> um, we're all done with this." I think the one takeaway from this story, though, is I think if you're a politician running for a safe seat that you're probably going to win, you there's not. Don't hold back. You can come out as non-religious. It's not going to hurt you. These people did it in close races and won their races. Um, I I know most candidates want to minimize any political things that could be look bad. But the fact that so many non-religious candidates in Colorado are not hiding their non-religious labels, or at least are willing to tell a reporter, don't mention my name, but I'm non-religious, that's a good sign. I hope more of them step out from behind the cloak of anonymity when the next election cycle happens, or maybe when they decide it's time for them to leave office. Right. Um, I I would love to know if there are any more Republicans sure. on this list, too. But That's wild. Even if there isn't, still amazing. All right. All right, let me get to this story I've been wanting to tell you for a while oh here. God, this is a very long episode. I'm it tired. It is. It's not. We're not there yet. Fine. It's not. Okay. So we <laughs> talked about this uh, maybe a year or two ago, okay. but I want to refresh your memory here. No need. Um, there was a Still guy try. named Robert Fenton. When he was 26, he was a youth fast pastor at a church in New York. And this is several years ago, many years ago. So this guy was 26. He was a youth pastor. Uh, no, City? different, like uh, rural New okay. York area. He told a couple in the church he was drawn to their daughter. And he was meant to be oh, with her. Oh, I remember this yeah. weird beard. Mm. He was meant to be with her. He was 26. How old was she? She was 14. 14. Now, the church wouldn't allow them to get married because of the age difference. But only the church said, no, you can't do this. Because actually, New York State at the time permitted 14-year-olds to marry with under certain, of com- their parents, with certain conditions. Um, it wasn't raised until later on. But the girl's family did approve a courtship with the support of church yeah. elders at the time. There were boundaries yeah. present. The two of them weren't supposed to be alone. There were boundaries yeah. present. They had to have a chaperone. So if there were boundaries. Like, they weren't supposed to touch each other in any way. They could write letters until she was of legal age. But the whole story here is that none of this stopped him from doing any of that stuff. The girl later said that she was betrothed to him, mm. and her parents later said this guy would push the boundaries, but they didn't realize how bad things were getting. At his request, they pulled their daughter out of public school and began homeschooling her. Why? They thought they were helping their daughter academically, but it created an opportunity for this guy, Robert Fenton, to spend more time, private time, with her outside of prying eyes. He started coming to their house a few times a week. Then the sexual assaults began. (sighs) Right? So, a couple years later, she's officially engaged to him, but they were not married yet. And she was, what, 16, 17? Yeah, probably. And he basically forced her to do stuff no, to him sexually. No. 
And it wasn't just illegal because she was underage. I mean, it violated their own religious beliefs regarding abstinence before marriage. Some people would call it rape. That is indeed correct. Um, And this is a church that very much believed, uh, and I'm quoting here, like, if a man lusted for a woman, it's the woman's fault. She must have done something to tempt him. What's that Jesus quote about gouging your own fucking eyes out if you can't Mm. look at someone's cleavage? I think I'm paraphrasing. uh, Unquote, right. Um, and here's the thing, even if the girl knew involved. something was wrong, like she probably believed she couldn't tell her church leaders because they would have just blamed her for Listen, it. Listen, we have how many power power dynamics happening. Uh-huh. There's an age difference. There's an authoritative difference. There is the sense of approval that she has from her parents, so she thinks it's okay. This girl has no tools in her tool belt to push back in any way against this mm-hmm. person. So the pastor of the church at the time, the senior pastor at the time, his name was Fred Hoover. Uh, he did have misgivings, which is a polite way of saying it, about this relationship when he learned about it. Mm-hmm. But according to Fred Hoover's son, the families that were involved here basically got his support by reminding them of Joseph and Mary in the Bible. Because Mary was much, much younger than Joseph, and how could they be against God's will? So this guy blessed and sanctioned their relationship, but only after both families agreed no dating, no kissing, before the girl becomes a legal adult. Why do adult. men like that want to be in power when they just will let themselves get pushed around all the time? No, There's this weird you. thing that like these dudes are like, I want to be in a position of power, and then they get there, and they allow themselves to be owned by whoever asks. Mm-hmm. It's pathetic. Yeah. So it's embarrassing. A couple of weeks before those two were supposed oh, to know. get married. She's only 14, but I guess this guy knows better. He's 26 and mm-hmm. has an earring, plays and he's guitar. he's a youth pastor. He's got frosted tips. Exactly. A couple of weeks before their wedding was supposed to take place, guess what? Robert Fenton got sick. He got pancreatitis. He went to the hospital. Sounds like and God's while, deal. <laughs> and while he's in the hospital, calls off the wedding. He says this girl is going to ruin his ministry, which... Okay, weird that you're blaming her for, for I don't know what. Titus? I don't know. But after he recovers, but before the wedding, which he's now calling off, he just moves to Australia. Gets the fuck Get away I. from everywhere. And that was in 1998. Oh, he's, shit. I didn't realize all it was that of this, long ago. That long ago. Oh, so these girls are on our age. Uh-huh. And this guy's been in Australia ever since. Well, guess what? In 2019, this is when we talked about this story, 20 years after all this happens... Wow. This girl, who's now an older woman, kind of realizes all the shit that just went down in her life, yeah. you know? Um, which is not weird at all. Like, she didn't realize wow. how bad things were when she was younger, but she certainly understood. Extraordinarily common, which is one of the many reasons that the statute of limitations on child molestation yeah. is absolute garbage. So she, in 2019, yeah. informed law enforcement about what happened to her when she was a child. She gave investigators the names of other church members and church leaders who uh-huh. corroborate her story. And guess what? They did over several months. Mm. In 2022, sorry, wow. that's when we talked about this last year. In 2022, <laughs> in April. Was it 2018 last year? I don't know. In April of 2022, the Attorney General of Pennsylvania, who is Josh Shapiro, who is now the governor of Pennsylvania, uh-huh. the Attorney General announced. We are charging Robert Fenton, really, that, uh, that pastor, with sexual assault. Can, can Here's what Shapiro said. from Australia? We'll get there. Okay. Shapiro said, the defendant used his power and authority in the religious community to lie, manipulate, and regularly abuse a young girl in his community. That's what I said. Right? Survivors experience a lifetime of anguish and trauma trying to overcome the impact of abuse. I want survivors to know we believe you and we will not let predators get away wow. with the sexual assault of 
of children. Wow. And it wasn't just one charge of assault. He was charged with indecent assault of a person under 16, involuntary deviant sexual intercourse with a person under 16, uh. aggravated indecent assault, corruption of minors, statutory sexual assault. All this oh, stuff. Oh, go away. What's the problem with all this? What's the problem with all What's this? What's the problem with all this? The uh, guy is in Australia. Oh, I was like... And here's the thing. All of it. It's all uh, a problem, It's all Kevin. a problem, yes. <laughs> so the thing is, Shapiro said at the time, we're working with the Justice Department, the State Department, to get this guy extradited yeah. from Australia so we can come back to the States where we can charge him. we have an, extradic- an fuck, extradition agreement with Australia, right? Well... I think we do. We're allies, right? Yeah. But that we was well over a relationship with the UK and Australia, probably. Right? That was over a year ago. Uh, That's when we talked about this when the when Josh Shapiro announced. And how's these Josh charges. doing now? Well, he's the governor now, so he's not oh, dealing with me, this, not right? Uh, who has Australia guy? Australia guy's still in Australia. That's mm. where we're at. Nothing has happened because the guy is still in Australia. Do we know where the? Uh, uh, we're getting there. The stop is good. Here's every the here's word? the updates. I got updates the on clog? all of this. The guy who's now in charge of this case, um he's uh, the guy who was working on this case, Josh Shapiro appointed him to a different position, so he's off the case. Oh. That's one problem. Um but there are new people in the state attorney general's office who's are who are working on this case. Okay, we'll get back to that. Fred Hoover, the pastor who blessed their relationship, mm-hmm. He was still working at the church until he died in 2021. He never got around to explaining why he thought a fellow staffer could call dibs on a kid in the congregation. Um, I will say his son was and still is married to the sister of the victim. But the son son has always been on the victim's side. Like what my father did was wrong. Uh, Yeah. So, okay, we'll get there. Um, So this past April, a year later, recently, when the victim asked the state officials, are there any updates to my case? Are you extraditing this guy? Are you going to get him? She was simply told, and I'm quoting here, there is nothing new to report, and that the office, quote, has requested assistance from the FBI to apprehend the defendant. Hmm. Um, when I asked the office for comment, uh, a spokesperson just said, our office is currently seeking extradition. It's the same statement. They're like, we're working on it, but they haven't made any progress. And because there has been no progress made in this case, the victim in this case, whose name was not publicized the entire time this was in the news, we spoke (gasps) one-on-one because now she wants to go public with this story. Did you? So her name is Sarah. Sarah. And Sarah basically said she wasn't sure she wanted to attach her name to the story because the charging documents that were publicized only listed her initials. Like, my first thought is, are you sure you want your name attached to this story? Yeah. Because that's risky in a lot of ways, right? And she said... Look, none of this is anonymous to the people in my religious circles. Mm. My parents and my sister were literally named in the charging documents, so like it wouldn't be hard to figure her out. Sister who was it named was. because they interviewed her about all this. I see. Um, anyone, she said, anyone who knew about the relationship knew it was me, and like everyone in her town knew it was a small town. The documents were spread. The charging documents. Uh, so at were this point, around. anybody who knows who will affect her knows already. That's right. And what she told me is she said she was bothered by a version of the story being out there without my own voice, my own insights, my own commentary as the one who embodied the experience. And she said part of her frustration 
with this story going around was that a lot of adults in her conservative religious community that she grew up in still don't really have a problem with child marriage. They might condemn Robert Fenton for what he did, but they still don't really see him as a predator. Like, everything was fine until he crossed the line in their minds. You know what I mean? Which do you think was the line that he crossed? Like, the physical? The physical abuse. But the actual betrothing, the courtship, all of that was fine, right? They didn't seem to balk at that. They always found justification for his behavior, or they always blamed the girls for leading him on. She said she wants people to understand that what happened to her was not the fault of one bad apple. Mm. She blames the system that allowed purity culture to thrive, Mm. that revoked autonomy from girls Mm. while also urging them to be submissive and obedient. It blamed children for the abuse adults inflicted upon them. She wanted people to ask themselves, can a teenage girl raised in a church where women submit to authority really say no? No. Of course not. Women who aren't raised in that church, in that situation, can barely say no. We are not raised mm-hmm. to be able to say no. We are raised to be quiet and pretty. Um, I spoke with uh, Sarah's sister, Rebecca, too. And Rebecca told me the whole situation just made her second guess her relationship with God mm. or whatever type of relationship that is. She told me, I still have faith. I still believe the Lord talks to people. But it takes some work to reconcile that belief with the fact that God supposedly told Fenton to pursue that relationship with her sister. So I was like, how do you make that work? How do you reconcile this idea that you think God talks to people, but also God told this guy in your mind to do some really horrible things? She says the way she makes sense of that in her head, Uh and I don't agree with it, but whatever. The way she reconciles it is she says, if God talks to you about someone else, it needs to resonate with what God told that person to. And if there are mixed signals, someone's not getting the right message. She, I also said, like, what, what else do you wish? She, she said she wished the church had been more open about sex, to discussions about sex, mm-hmm. women's bodies, mm-hmm. dealing with emotions. Mm-hmm. She said if religious leaders had done that with her and her youth group and her peers, maybe there would not be so much to hide. Um, they just shut down all those conversations. Yeah, I'm telling you, I work with a lot of kids uh, with, with varying needs of disabilities, and there is so much more emotional education going on now than I ever mm. received as a kid in terms of, like, teaching kids how to identify their emotions, like, assign them colors. If you're feeling this way, it's this color. And so... I didn't get that growing up, and I didn't grow up in a religious community, so I feel like we are all kind of, like, emotionally stunted in a lot of ways, and, oh, I don't know, this poor family, Jesus Christ. Um, I also spoke with one of her, uh, Sarah's friends. Uh, They weren't in the same church, but their youth groups did a lot of stuff together, so they heard the same messages growing up. Her friend's name is Faith. Faith told me, we were never taught women have a right to say no. Yeah. Always taught to why submit to be, men. Why would they be taught that? Yep. That her, would just cause problems. Her own mother, Faith's mother, said that when Faith got married, she should never resist her husband when it came to sex. Oh, that which, is not unique. Yeah, which effectively denies the existence of marital rape uh, and sets them up for abuse. I know I've right? told this story before, but one of my best friends from college got married in a Catholic church and had to sign a contract that said she would not turn down sex from her husband before Yeesh. she got married. Good and Lord. it fucked her shit. I think she is not religious primarily because of that, because she couldn't recti- she couldn't reconcile it in her head. Mm-hmm. Um, religion fucking blows. Sarah's game. mother now says it was her biggest regret that she went along with all of this. Her father 
I was oh. surprised to hear, is still an elder in that church. Mm, no announcer of the church. Yeah. But uh, Sarah explained this to me. Basically, he his belief is he's sticking around to try to create positive change from the inside. Um, and that's the only way he thinks he can do it. If and I'm on the inside trying to create change rather than being on the outside complaining. I feel like this is a sort of high level conversation that we have a lot of if you're a Mormon, do you stay and try to make Mormonism better? Or do you leave the church because fuck Mormonism? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I don't know the right answer to that. I asked Sarah, like, is there anything you hope the church is doing at this point? She says, if nothing else, like, I hope they disavow the concepts of courting and betrothal, by no. the way, both of those were in that Shiny Happy People, Duggars documentary. Right. Um, she also wants to help other victims. That's another reason she wanted to go public with this, because what helped her recognize the abuse she suffered was hearing another survivor's story, yes. personally. So she said, if someone else can benefit from her personally telling her story, then not only is she helping them, hopefully, but she's healing herself. Yeah. And I was really surprised, uh, not surprised, I was pleasantly uh, uh, surprised. surprised to see this. She now works as a financial planner. Huh. And one of the things she writes on her website is that when she was younger, she didn't feel like she had much, if any, choice in creating a plan of her own. And now she wants to help bring stability to other people's lives. And one way to do that is by helping them manage their money. Um, and I she see. also urges them. She wrote a blog post on that website. She said, The trauma I came out of 20 years ago resurfaced in 2019, leaving me no other option but to address my mental health needs. Looking back, I wish I had more permission to do what I needed to do to take care of myself. Perhaps you need some permission to take care of yourself, to slow down, to pause for a moment, to do whatever you may need in order to prioritize your own well-being. I hereby grant it. Wow. Um, Really, really inspiring. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Fenton, who's I mean, in Australia. I hope they get him. I hope they reclaim your narrative. But yeah, friend. just really inspiring. I was so happy she trusted me to, to to talk with me and allow me to tell that story. Um, That's amazing that you got to talk to her, Sarah. Yeah. If you're listening, oh, I'm so sorry. She was incredible. Um, oh boy, I, got, I just. Ugh. I got one final story for you. This one's shorter. Um, be so bad. That's all right. I don't uh, know why you say that's all right. <laughs> There's a church, Catholic church, St. Thomas Church in Connecticut. Uh, a miracle happened there a few months ago. Guess what it was? Uh, with the the nun, the nun who no, it's oh. a de- it's not the dead nun oh. whose body is still dead. Okay, um, then no, this story involves uh, something the Reverend Joseph Crowley said happened during the March 5th service. He said to them. We had something happen. What happened? Well, they were taking their bowl of communion wafers, which had been consecrated, and basically putting them on people's tongues, handing them out, as they do in Catholic services. And then he, like the person handing it out was like running low on wafers. They must have miscounted. But then when they look at the bowl, <gasps> wait a minute, the bowl is full. We can keep giving people their wafers. Somebody came and filled it up when we weren't looking. Someone filled it up when they weren't looking, apparently. It's like saying you're at a Super Bowl party and your chips are gone, and then you turn your head and you look back and you're like, Some, my chip bowl is full now. It's like people it who It must be God. Servers are ghosts because all of a sudden <laughs> they turn their head and their water is refilled. And they're like, oh, God. Yeah. They're calling it a Eucharistic miracle. Okay. Um, the possibility... This is a news article here. The possibility that the receptacle may have refilled itself 
during a March 5th service has kindled fascination among the faithful. It has also inspired the Archdiocese of Hartford to launch an investigation. <sighs> They're investigating this because it could be a miracle. By the way, side note, there's apparently a dude who's up for sainthood in that mm. same archdiocese. And if you want to be a saint, you got to have two miracles oh, to your two, name. And they already ascribed one miracle to his oh. name. So they are desperately looking for another one. And this could be what they're looking for. Huh. Uh-huh. And according to the, the uh, reverend, the priest there, he was referring to the miracle that he witnessed. Mm. He didn't even witness it. He just said it happened. But he said very powerful, very awesome, very real, everyone. Very shocking, but also it happens. It happens. And today it happened when they were running out of hosts and all of a sudden more hosts were just there. He also said in the video, wow. when I watched this video, he said it's on tape. Like they had a camera in the, in okay, the room. Let's see, it. let's see the tape. Do you have it? I've been looking for it. Oh. Nope. Doesn't exist as far as I could tell. But There's no footage of it. Why would they, what, what incentive do they have to don't lie? Know. Don't know. Don't know. It's a Catholic it. church. They would never lie to anybody. About uh -huh. By the way, I was like, how many host were, hosts, how many wafers were there that you just miscounted. It's like, if it was like 10 yeah. and you got the wrong number, yeah. it's like, that's a little weird. I, that's, how did you miss that one? one? It's like 100, 150 people in the congregation. And these wafers are like wafer, wafer thin, thin, right? Like it would be very easy to miscount. Yeah. Have you ever done that with sheets of paper? Like I need three sheets of paper, but I grab a little stack and it's like, oh, there's 10 here. Yeah. Like whatever. It's possible. Like if they say there's no doubt, this is what the priest said. What happened is our Lord multiplied himself. I have no doubt. Which just tells me he has a lack of imagination. Honestly, like, when you, if you are, I mean, I know you people get tunnel vision, right? But if you are this priest and you think that this is the miracle that God pulled off, that doesn't, to me, say much in terms of, like, an all-powerful God. Like Yeah, there's a cancer ward to your left. Truly. Like, <laughs> I was thinking more of, like, um, a family's empty cabinet, and they open yeah. it up, and there's food in there. Nope, like, got to refill the stale communion like, wafers. Like, no, we really need to make sure this metaphor pops <laughs> off without a hitch. Yes. It's... Yep. Oh, these They all started people. comparing it to Jesus multiplying loaves of, of course loaf bread they did. and fishes. Even though the wafer isn't feeding anybody. Yeah. I bet it's calorically insignificant. You're not eating it like candy. Uh-huh. Church of... <sighs> don't worry. There are going to be checks and balances on this thing. Church officials oh, may God, also right review on. any available video and test the remaining wafers for differences in composition between them and other communion Oh, hosts. now they want sci science to come in yeah. and double-check their Which, work? It's going to be what the same composition. Uh, they came from the same bag of chips. Like, what do you what, what do you think you're going to find? God, my Frito-Lays are the same yeah. as those Frito-Lays. the thing oh. is, they do this all the time. Catholics love pretending miracles are happening. But, like, in the past, we've seen this from other churches, they found, like, a consecrated communion wafer that created a red stain. And it's like, that's what happens with communion wafers and wine when you, like, mix them together. Yeah. A, they'll find a Virgin Mary statue that looks like it's shedding tears. That's a sign from God, truly, even though there are natural explanations for that. And again, like you mentioned, there was the nun whose body had not decomposed enough. Therefore, everyone was like, oh, this body must be special. Ugh. It's like, but let's say it did multiply. If that was true, if these wafers really did just have sex and multiply... Sure. That... Like you said, that would be a bigger mark against Catholicism because, again, what are we doing with the poor and hungry and cancer wards? <sighs> like, kids dying from gun violence, but God made his presence known by fixing a wafer shortage that wasn't even a shortage? Like, why would you want to worship that God? Yeah, that's wild. 
anyway. It's absolutely buck wild. Figured I'd un- end on that one. Uh, okay. Where do we find you? You can always find me on Twitter at Jess Blumke, though I feel like like every other human being, I'm using it less and less as yeah. it is 98% <laughs> ads at any given time. Seriously. I'm I truly ha- have been really off of social media, not because I make it a point to, but just like things have gotten busy and the things I've been working on have been not online. Yeah. So I've just sort of... Twitter um, is less fun than it used to be. I'm at Hemant Meta on Twitter. Uh, if you DM me, I might miss it because of all the ads. I mean, truly. Uh, you can reach us at FriendlyAtheistPodcast at gmail.com. Please mm-hmm. go to Patreon.com slash FriendlyAtheistPodcast to support the show. Yep. Do we have anything we're talking about on the bonus? Yeah. Um, I just finished a book by uh, Dan Arelli, who I actually um, interviewed way back in like single digit episodes of this podcast. Um, he wrote a book called The Honest Truth About Dishonesty. He writes about why people lie and cheat. Um, and it was very interesting. And I want to talk about it. He had a very, very, very interesting um, thing to say about um, talking to a rabbi about how to be more honest. Um, and I really want to talk to you about that. Um Oh, I finished Parks and Rec again, and I would like to talk to you about that, too. And then, just in sight of the story we just did, there's a documentary called Abducted in Plain Sight that uh, ties into Sarah's story. So, All right. Okay. We'll talk about that in the bonus. We'll see you all, uh, hopefully, there. Bye. Bye.